Thank you for listening to Room 9, my daddy's podcast. Hope you enjoy. You can listen to Room 9 on your favorite podcast listening platform. Don't forget to visit our Instagram and Facebook page. Please like it. Room 9, if you better yourself, you better the world. There is something, and it sounds like you and I had the same instinct, and I'm sure we're not alone, but this 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 instinct that there is a place where acting on our own behalf becomes acting on the behalf of others mm-hmm. that are, are interweaving as not just humans, but the whole ecosystem of Earth and beyond, because you can't really separate it. It's all the same thing. It's all pointing in the same direction, but we're all you know, off looking in different directions and and sort of theorizing, you know, we've been swallowing different stories about what a great life means. Gosh, it makes me think about business because I'm a business person. I think about business all the time, right? And sort of this dynamic that we have of, are we, are we serving our um, shareholders needs for this quarter? Are we asking how we actually make this a great business? And I think as humans, we're doing that all the time, right? Do I sort of satisfy and calm myself for this minute? Or do I challenge myself so that it's there's a longer term good? And today's guest is SB Roz. I came across her on LinkedIn. She is a life coach. She has her own business. Her website is rozcoaching.com, R-A-W-Z coaching.com. Link will be in the description. And I absolutely loved having a conversation with i feel like i say this with every guest i guess i'm just having incredible guests as of late because that comes out of my mouth every time but we did we had such an awesome conversation it bounced around a little bit but it just got into some really deep and amazing beautiful things i'm just gonna let you listen to it and if there were ever room nine awards sb would be getting the award for the most incredible laugh ever i'll just have to keep her laugh on record it is amazing she just has this infectious laughter that just goes through you and it lifts you up. And she's an incredible human being, so show her some support. Find her on LinkedIn, go to her website, check out what she's got going on. All the links are in the description. Enjoy this conversation, enjoy your week, and I will talk to you next time. Peace. Hello. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Very good. I'm excited for our conversation. Me too. How's the sound? I don't use this mic a lot. Sounds great. Sounds really awesome. good. Yeah. Now I know I was uh up at, at, like when I was up this morning. I was like, oh man, I wish our talk was earlier. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> like raring to go. And I was like, I can get my newsletter done before we talk so I could just chill and enjoy hanging with Sean. <laughs> <laughs> One of those people that I'm like, I'm going to get my newsletter done early. No, never. No, no oh, nothing. I know. I'm like that mm-hmm. with podcasts too. Yeah. I'm like, all right, every, every day I'm going to do a little audio editing. So at the end of the week, I don't got to do it in like, <laughs> you know, one sitting. And no, of course not. It drives me uh, nice nuts. Nice in theory. Nice in theory. <laughs> every, everything's nice in theory. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> so true. <laughs> Good. How was uh, your Easter, whatever that holiday even is? Yeah, yeah, it was super chill because neither of us celebrates it. <laughs> so we just yeah, same here. <laughs> we had a super chill day. Yeah, you too. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, we I went over. Christine and I went over 
my girlfriend and I, Christine, went over to my parents and just had dinner. My sister is in Florida, so it was just the four of us. And no, yeah, it was chill. It was a it was an eat and run kind of thing, but yes. <laughs> yeah, we're we're so slack that like so my my partner's kids are grown. You know, the youngest is nineteen, mm-hmm. and we didn't even like it wasn't until yesterday I was like, oh, we could have sent them candy or something. Yeah, <laughs> no, didn't happen. <laughs> oh, that's cool. My parents still give me candy. I'm thirty five. Yeah, thirty five. So I gotta make a note to do it next year. Got to keep the uh, the Easter Bunny tradition going, Sarah. Yeah, I'm I'm literally writing myself a note now because. <laughs> If there's if it's Send not written candy. it doesn't happen <laughs> oh my gosh i know i know i'm terrible like i've started doing that with like text messages because i will all the time like you know say here i'll be here talking you know or listen to something and i'll look oh somebody i'll look at it and then you know set it down and then i'll totally forget about it and yeah and i won't even ever text a person back unless i'm skimming through and like oh i never responded like oh shoot <laughs> terrible my communication skills are something i always have to work on Constantly. Forever and always, there's mm-hmm. room for improvement there, right? Yes, there is. Yes, there yeah. is. I don't. Know, I don't even know what we were going to talk about today. I was, you know, kind of no brainstorming. Idea. I'm like, there's so many, so many different ways. Our only goal for this conversation should be not to go too crazy all over the place. You know, okay. but that's it. I mean, even that's if it, it does, who cares? But I, you know. I like it though. I like it's a good. It's a good uh, attempt to to set our sights on something I neglected to point to mention to you last time we spoke though is that I actually go by SB. SB, so, okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll what's uh What's now. the story behind the SB? I mean, it's obviously my, it's your initials, but I mean, it's my initials. Yeah. What made you, you go know, with it? Sarah um, is a really pretty name, and it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It I think has, we talked about names, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, we did. We sure yeah. did. Yeah, it, and it fits me like a tight shoe, and it always has. And so it's been sort of this game over the years, like what's the iteration I can use? So for a long time, for like seven or eight years, everybody called me Sarah Beth, and I was like, that's oh, cute, but it's still like super cute. And, <laughs> eh. um, but my last name is Jones at the time, which is like okay. the most perfect like um, witness protection name ever, Sarah Beth Jones. <laughs> It's perfect. <laughs> I was going to say it's more like a, a, a Marvel superhero that's undercover oh, or something. It, that, that works Jones. as well. Yeah. So, yeah. So now I'm, now I'm Roz and, and uh, a few people call me SB and I, the more people called me SB, the more I was like, oh, that's nice. Like it's got that's, a, nice it's got a it. warm fuzzy to it. You know, it's sort of, <laughs> sort of like, Hey chum. Hey SB, what's up? Like, yeah. What's up? <laughs> I like it. It does. It's got a nice flow. Yeah, it's sort of fun to say, you know, there's like a certain vibration on, on the, the old mouth noises. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know wherever you want to like kind of start, because I don't know a lot of my, my favorite things about conversations like these is obviously we talked for about an hour before um, a couple weeks ago. But I mean, I don't know too much about you. I looked up a few things, obviously, you know, but I try not to be too overprepared, honestly, because it's like this new experience for me. And I always enjoy that. Give me, I mean, just give me a rundown of, I know you're a coach, but I don't know anything. So whatever is on your heart to share. And, you know, I know some people share the same things on podcasts and get tired of it. So if you, whatever you want to share, I'm down with, and we can go whichever way you want with it. Oh, that's exciting. That's a, that's a big one. Okay. I want to pause and think about that for a second, as I like to do, but isn't good for podcasts. Oh, well, um, <laughs> for live podcasts for I mean it's great for editing when I'm editing it it's like all right she took a pause there we can cut that right out right on right on yeah yeah so like you said I'm a coach which is like the most generic it's the most generic title ever 
And I'm always hesitant to explain what it really is because it sounds way too stupid to pay anybody for, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is like, like, Sean, we're going to get together and we're going to have really profound conversations and it's going to change your life. How about some money now? <laughs> Please pay me. <laughs> right. And it's also a bad business model because in coaching, we're always trying to make ourselves obsolete. Mm. Like our conversations are going to be so profound that you won't need me anymore. You'll never need me again. Right. And then it's like, what am I doing here? <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is a terrible business model and a terrible pitch, but it is the coolest thing I've ever experienced in my life, both on the receiving end of coaching, being coached and coaching other people, because we do live in this web of interconnection, you know, and, mm. and you know this so well that when we connect with people in a meaningful way, we learn from each other. And I personally don't know a better way to learn. I mean, I love to read books, you know, of all types. I love to listen to podcasts. I love to all these things, but nothing challenges me more. Nothing helps me grow more. Nothing makes me more excited about life than connecting with another person Mm -hmm. and having a really substantial, what it means to be human conversation, because being human is complicated and painful, (laughs) right? And exciting, fun. It's it's all the things. And yet we feel so isolated. You know, Mm -hmm. we are, we are trapped in our skin. That's a real thing. Yeah. Ernest Becker calls it, uh, says we're gods with anuses. (laughs) And we have, we have the ability to contemplate the past and prepare for the future. But yet at the same time, we know we're going to die. And it's like, it's, it's terrifying. It's the biggest like load on a shoulders that any living thing could have. I heard it said uh, kind of awesome the other day. I was listening to this. I don't know. They call them debates, but they're never debates or people having conversations with different opinions on things. But Mm -hmm. this guy, um, kind of it's uh, actually this is great it's right after easter so we can talk about jesus for a second (laughs) and but he said you know jesus who was god in human form right allegedly (laughs) he um on the cross like for a moment yeah the human condition was so heavy for a moment he lost sight of that he was even god anymore and you know was i don't know if you want to say sin i don't know you know what the correct term for it is but it was like forgot and was so overwhelmed by the human condition, even God himself couldn't handle it for just a moment. And mm. that's how heavy it can be sometimes. So it is. It's so interesting. And it's funny you say coaching is so kind of like cliche and blah, 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 and it sounds like it's overused and it sounds boring, but it's like nobody. It's like a therapist. It's like a counselor. None, none of us. We're not talking enough about our issues and our struggles and our challenges. We just want to avoid them and avoid them and avoid them. Yeah. And nothing ever changes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then what are we even, what are we doing here, Sean? Like, seriously, what are we doing here? What are we doing with this, this shockingly fast and short stretch of time we have before we hit that mortality spot, whatever that even means, Mm -hmm. you know, who knows what's on the other (laughs) side of this thing? I have no idea, right? I I have theories. I'm not super freaked out about the other side of it, but I am a little bit freaked out about making the most of the time that I have here. Is that a thing that gets mm-hmm. you that that sort of pressure of like, whatever this thing is, I want to yeah, use it well. It's so easy to lose sight of it, I think, too. Like, I think it's so easy to have everything else, uh, societal expectations, familial expectations. You know, I'm this age, I should be at this point, I should do this. And, th- and it puts, I think we end up losing track of what's really happening which is, it's just all is, right? It's all kind of not to get super spiritual or Eastern philosophical, but it really is. And we are the only living things who can think about thinking. 
Yes. And because of that ability, we have a lot of struggles and we feel like we should be something and be somewhere and be at this point. And it's always this constant trying to get to a level where we think we should be when it's like, we're just, we're just doing it. What is that should even, and mm. where would that get us? Mm. That comes up in coaching all the time. I'm sure that the doesn't shoulds, surprise you yes. at all. Yeah. Right. The shoulds and especially how we apply them to ourselves. And that most of the time we haven't thought about why we haven't thought about like, okay, if I, if I had the car and the job or lived into the social norms or lived into my family norms, what would that even mean for me? And how would that actually be a good use of this time? And what are the actual risks of being innovative and being scared and trying something new and, and being a little risky, you know, yeah. a little risky, a little avant-garde in these, <laughs> in these little flash lives of ours, <laughs> you know, and we love that about other people. We love, we love to see people who have successfully broken a barrier, right. But we don't root for them until they do it mm. wow, for that, the most yeah. part. That's interesting. That's yeah. Very true. Cause yeah, you're we always, love, mm -hmm. I was going to say, yeah, you, you're just going to say it. We love ostracizing those people until, until they made it. And it's like, yeah, I've been rooting for you the whole time, man. Totally. That's awesome. Totally. And we love optimism in retrospect, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you were, you kept it going and that's great. Cause that was now awesome. you're a bajillionaire. <laughs> right. But when they're still living in a one bedroom apartment scraping by, we're like, you're an idiot. Like mm -hmm. go get a job. <laughs> mm -hmm. And how do we decide that's, you know, that's a question I think a lot of us ask ourselves all the time, like what makes this worth it? And how do I decide when to stop trying to be so fully myself and go be who everybody else has been telling me I should be. And I don't think that there's an answer to that question. And, you know, I don't think there's an answer. I think there's tolerance for distress. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. I know. <laughs> and that was like, I, from what I've kind of, again, I haven't done like days and days of, you know, looking up and what you, you've been doing. But from what I gathered, that was kind of a big piece for you in your life, right? Was that getting comfortable with who you are and just being completely you. Which is an ongoing process. But yeah, yes, there was definitely yeah. like a really steep part of the learning curve, right? And mm -hmm. now it's sort of nuances and refinement and curiosity and checking in. I had this really weird experience recently. And I love talking <laughs> about like these places that make people look at me a little askance. That's how I was, I was meditating not too long ago. And I've been real like shaky on my meditation practice these days. You know, sometimes I'm super on it and yeah. sometimes it's a real struggle to get on the cushion. You know, the Same feeling. Here. Yep. Yes, I do. Yeah, that's just a thing, right? But I like, I got myself on the cushion and I'm sitting there and I hear this little, I, I usually meditate on my heart space. It's a place that I am sort of for years now, I've been like, ah, you need some attention. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, let me give you a little attention. And so I meditate on that, on my heart space. And I heard this little voice bubble up and it was like, hi, my name is Herbert. And I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so heart, your name is Herbert. And he was like, yeah. <laughs> Duh. Yeah, obviously, like, didn't you look at my mailbox? It says <laughs> Herbert right there. <laughs> so I've been playing for a long time with, with anthropomorphizing these inner voices, but being human and being a, you know, somewhat cynical human, but in a really joyful way, I've been focused really heavily on the negative voices, which we all have, right? We all have mm -hmm. a voice that says we're not enough, you know? or that we're not lovable or all of those kinds of things that are so, so freaking punishing. And I've been naming them gremlins and doing tons of really productive gremlin work with my clients. And then Herbert pops up and he's like, dude, like it's not just gremlins in here. Mm. And part of me knew that, 
you know, and my clients kept trying to tell me, you know, not directly, but they just, how they were being with the gremlin work. They'd be like, look, there's this happy part and I'm going to name that too. And I'd be like, good job. Anyway, let's talk about gremlins. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And Herbert's like, really pay attention to me. And I was like, okay, okay. So there's this whole other thing that these innerlings do. And he was like, finally. Right. Mm. And so now I get to check in with him all the time. And I, and I will literally like notice, especially in the midst of discomfort, but I try to do it more frequently than that and just be like, Hey Herbert, what's up, man? (laughs) Anything you want to chat about today? Like anything on your mind, you know? And to me, that's, it's a really silly way. And foolishness is one of my, my core principles, both in like the core values, both in the like archetypal. I was going to say, it's arguably the greatest archetype, right? Oh my gosh. Like I'm madly in love with the full archetype and it hope to embody that, right? Like endeavor to embody that, but also the colloquial version of foolishness, you know, mm-hmm. just like sort of ridiculousness is really important to me too. Yeah. Then the, the comedic side of things. Yeah. Yeah. Cause life is so, as we were saying, so complex and weird and painful. Like let's have some fun with it. Like let's, yes. let's sing dumb songs and do ridiculous <laughs> dances in the mirror, you know, like <laughs> I'm about it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm always doing that. I hope nobody ever sees it. <laughs> Me too, that I'm always doing it. I, I Let us endeavor to let it be seen, but <laughs> and model for others, yes. right? <laughs> I have no idea how I got on the topic of Herbert. Oh, it was just the ongoing process of learning ourselves that, you know, we are so, we are so complex and mysterious that there's always, there's always more to learn. Oh my God. It's never ending, right? It's never ending. I remember when I was in rehab, I would go around and I've always, you know, kind of been into, which I think I shared with you, psychology and philosophy and stuff. But something that always came up over and over again was, especially in Jungian psychology, is just balance. And I mean, it's everything is a constant balance act from humility and confidence and, you know, pride and cockiness and patience. And, you know, it's just so, and when to use what and when I should be practicing which one and blah, blah, blah. And it just, I mean, it's such a journey, this self-exploration and it's never ending and it's a constant balancing act. And one day you're good at this and next day you're not very good at it and you got to go back and work on it. And and it's just nonstop. And for me, it was just really and, you know, I don't I'm assuming it's probably the same for you is just all right. This is never ending. Mm -hmm. And I need to stop trying to see where this this damn finish line is as if I'm going to fix myself and be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And that was one of the biggest things I had to come up with in my life is there's no finish line. There's never, you're never going to win this. So let's just love your messy ass while you do it. Totally. Totally. So I, I really love part of me language mm-hmm. um, to start phrases with part of me. It comes from a partnered meditation technique called focusing Okay. by Eugene Gunlin. It's, it's cool stuff. But you know, part of me, when I hear you say that, I, I heard inside myself, like, yeah, part of me, like totally gets that. And part of me even loves it. Like, Part of me is totally freaked out by the idea that I would get to my before my deathbed and be like, well, I'm done here. Like I did everything <laughs> I came to do. Like that just sounds horrible to me. What do you do between that point and dying? You'd be right? Bored. Like yeah. totally bored, right? And without any purpose or exploration or anything, right? So the idea that I would die and and be like, yeah, I could have done more. Like that that feels better to me, you know, like mm-hmm. Kind of working on it to the very end, and then another part of me is like, "Damn it! <laughs> like, I, want, <laughs> I want the finish line. I want the perfection. Like perfectionism is one of my. I have a, a picture that I draw. It's a spiral with a line through it, and to me, that's my image and my experience 
probably idealized a little bit experience of a growth curve, uh, especially with our most profound stuff. And for me, perfectionism is the one that bites me in the butt over and over and over again, right? So the line is perfectionism and the spiral goes around it and through it. Mm -hmm. So there are times that I'm just in the thick of it. And when we're in the thick of it, I don't even think we're usually consciously aware that we're in the thick of it. And then even when we just like sort of barely get back out of that, that in the thick of it place, we're like, ah, there's that thing again, that thing that Mm. I keep learning. But for me, it's a spiral rather than a circle because we're learning and growing, you know, as we go, each time I run into perfectionism, it teaches me something else about myself and how I want to be in the world and the ways that perfectionism can be so sneaky and like mm-hmm. creep up, you know, to me with its little like glasses with the big nose and the mustache and the big <laughs> eyebrows, right? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, there you are again. <laughs> it is. I mean, I've found I've used perfectionism as as an excuse a lot too, just for not even trying, for fear fear of failure and fear of rejection. And uh, I'm not good enough. And I think you know, I explain to people a lot too. That was some one of the biggest differences in my life that I've seen over the years was it went from. Like just say guitar, for instance, hearing a great guitarist and singer mm-hmm. and oh, I'll never be that good enough. I'm not yeah. going to try as opposed to when you can get to a stage in your life where you allow yourself to screw up and fail and make mistakes. And all of a sudden now it's like, oh, I have motivation to practice harder and to get yeah. better. And I think, you know, just having that mindset, I think, is a huge shift for people that we need in this world in general is people just OK, that it's OK to be imperfect. It's OK to not be able to finish all this at the end, but here I am now and what can I learn from it? And I think that's something I've kind of just tried to push out to people a lot because I think that was one of my biggest things that I think we just need more self-awareness and people to explore their inner, inner selves. I am 100% with you. And I want to commend you because noticing that perfectionism is the thing that's holding us back uh, is a really, really sneaky mm-hmm. iteration. Like I run into people all the time. They're like, I can't possibly be a perfectionist because I procrastinate. I'm like, all right, let's look at this a little bit closer (laughs) (laughs) and the cause and effect here. (laughs) Because that is one of the really, really sneaky way it shows up for a lot of us. And we do have this, I don't know how long humans have had this. I don't know if this is part of our modern world, but we do have this instant gratification. If I can't figure it out right away, then it's too painful. I I had a coach, one of my mentor coaches who said, resistance is a mechanism asking us how bad we want it. Hmm. And I think about that sometimes, you know, when I run into that, like, oh, I don't want to do this thing or this is super uncomfortable. It's like, all right, well, you know, I can quit. That's, that's my choice. Mm-hmm. But how bad do I want this? How important is this to me? You know, is it, you know, learning harmonica? Well, apparently not. Cause I've owned a harmonica for a lot of years now. <laughs> <laughs> right. But other stuff, it's been like, all right, I'm going to do this slog. You know, my, my relationship with my partner, right. Like interpersonal relationships are romantic ones are freaking scary, especially mm-hmm. when we're old enough to have had some failed ones. Right. And I don't really mean just a failed. few failed I just mean ones. Ended. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> just, a few. just a couple. <laughs> right. And that stuff's painful. And to, and to imagine that we could do it differently is a really scary thing. You know, she and I were engaged and have been for a really long time because of the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, when we first got together, there was just so much resistance. And there were a couple of times, speaking of Herbert, there were a couple of times I had to sit down because I had this really powerful runaway thing going on inside of me. Mm. And I'd been learning this stuff long enough, fortunately, that I, I was able to make myself literally sit down with it and be like, all right, what is going on here, Psyche? 
you know, what is this, what is this need to jet? And when I would scan and really listen in, it would be like, no, this is, this is all really good stuff. It's just scary because good is scary sometimes. Mm-hmm. And like, Roz, you need to sit still. <laughs> like, don't you dare go anywhere. <laughs> like, okay, okay. <laughs> yep. I could be brave enough. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know the feeling too. Cause you know, I, I was married, had two kids, mm-hmm. you know, got divorced, but I remember sitting there thinking like, this can't be it. Like this isn't what a relationship should be. Like I want somebody who's going to challenge me to be a better person, but also accept me and my flaws. And it's funny, you know, I've been with Christine for now seven years. And every time she calls me out of my bullshit, I swear to God, I get angry and I'm pissed off. And then I just start laughing about it. Cause like, you're, you're the one who asked for this. Like I could easily go off and be on my own, like, and just sit in this room and have very little social contact, you know, uh, do stuff like this. But yeah. as far you know, when it's an intimate relationship and a close yeah. relationship, it's somebody challenging you to get better and yeah. to be better and to work better and hopefully vice versa. But it's scary as hell. And you do. We make these things up like, no, nah, I don't like the way she or he brushes their teeth. Right. That annoys me. I can't do this anymore. I just can't. I can't handle the way they brush their teeth. <laughs> if they eat like that one more time, yeah. I'm going to lose it. <laughs> yeah, totally. 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 So like, yeah, so I, the, I've learned to use the language. I'm, I'm a word nerd in a big way. Um, a lot of coaches are, but I'm also a writer. So it all comes together into this real nerdy space. But I've, I've started practicing using language of um, the story I'm telling myself, because we tend to think that something happened and then we had a feeling about it. But a lot of times we had a feeling and then we wrapped a story around it. Oh, that's good. You know, especially like when we're tired or we're hungry or there's some other, you know, sort of vulnerability factor at play, right? And we're feeling we've had too much caffeine or whatever, so we're feeling jacked up, right? <laughs> and we'll, then, go, we'll go with caffeine. Yeah, <laughs> we'll go with that. <laughs> but I do think that that is something that we forget. You know, you yeah. mentioned recovery earlier and we think of recovery in terms of like alcohol and drugs primarily, which is significant and meaningful and important. But that lets a lot of folks, including people like me off the hook, where that's never, I've been fortunate that that hasn't been an issue for me, but like workaholism, right? Like mm-hmm. food is as a, as a numbing mechanism, TV is a numbing mechanism was a huge one for me for a long time. And to pretend like those aren't, aren't numbing mechanisms, which we like to do, mm-hmm. you know, to pretend like those aren't also ways to avoid life. Yeah, those are those are the people who judge people in recovery from drugs the most. Exactly. The people who are escaping in other ways. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Instead of going, "Wow, my addiction is to TV. I'm lucky that that happens to be my addiction. I still need to work on it." But like, you know, like that that's luck and not virtue. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's not going to cause me to steal from my kids. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But again, you know, again, luck, not virtue. And I think people do tend to think, you know, I, I do think there's so many misconceptions about recovery and addiction that it's a character mm. flaw in some way, which is just so punishing and wrong. And there's no kind of, I mean, I'm preaching to the choir here, I know, but there's, there's no kind of judgment that goes outward that doesn't come inward, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's no kind of judgment that we're not forcing on other people that we're not coming back to ourselves and, and hating ourselves for whatever our thing is. Yeah. I remember first like kind of coming across like projections and all that mm-hmm. stuff in psychology. And then when you start to like recognizing them though, you know, they slowly slip up from your unconscious and you just catch it just a minute. And it's like, Oh my God. Yeah. Holy crap. And it's, yeah. it's scary. Anytime uh, anything comes out of my mouth, as far as judging somebody, it's like, oops. Yeah. <laughs> 
I might have to look somewhere else for that as well. <laughs> All the tension before the last election, that was a, that was a hardcore time of that for me because there, there was oh, just gosh. never a thought that I had that when I didn't pause and go, okay, where do I find that in myself that I couldn't find it in myself? Yeah. That's annoying. <laughs> it's super annoying. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's funny how it works. I mean, you kind of touched on it, how powerful our psyche is and we can be doing so many things yeah. and have pretend like we have totally different reasons and a hundred percent believe them like even yeah. in recovery i you know use that as an example of people who are you know who struggle with relapse over and over again or whatever but i believe every time they get clean they a hundred percent mean with their heart that they're ready and they totally. want to do it and you know but it's not that simple and yeah. there's always something in there that we need to find in our journey what are tools that you use to kind of like keep you I know you mentioned meditation but as your journey came along and as you kind of were able to get more and more out of your shell you know what were some practices that you used to help yourself that's an awesome question there's been a lot of relying on other people I'm I have my own resistance to leaning into the web of interconnection and I think most humans do because we're mm -hmm. trained that way right we're trained that like doing stuff on our own is not only possible but virtuous mm -hmm. there goes there goes false virtue Which again is, oh my gosh that's another podcast we could talk about yeah yeah totally um, so I've worked with a bunch of coaches. I've been really lucky in the coaches in my life who have coached me and incredible friends and those kinds of things. Meditation has definitely been a thing for me. Writing has always mm. been a thing for me. And really these dialogues with my, with the beings in my inner world. So my, the first, the first gremlin that I named, I named him in um, 2013, I want to say, and his name is Wampus. And <laughs> And it just, I don't know where that name came from, but it just sounded like a cave being with a great big club that he was beating me over the head with. Like, you suck. You're not good enough. Like everyone hates you. So this is your, your self-critic. Yeah. 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 And Wampus is mean. The dude is mean, you know, and mm. gets in my way all the time or used to, he used to get in my way all the time. And so we spent about a year and a half after I first named him, just sort of yelling at each other. You know, like he'd pop up and I'd be like, dude, I'm busy. Come Go on. away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then in one of these partnered meditations, this focusing thing, I saw him for the first time and he looked like a blue Dutch haystack, you know, and he, <laughs> like, like a sad little blue bumpet kind of thing. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, he needs a hug. Like, Aww. that's crazy. Dude needs a hug. And that really changed. It started a change in how I was utilizing the tools. Because again, just like we have this autonomy myth thing going on that we should be able to do stuff all on our own, we also have we also have a, a common social norm of squelching these parts of ourselves or attempting to, mm -hmm. right? Squelch the anger, right? Squelch the rage, squelch the shelf punishment, just shove it all in a corner. But that stuff ferments and bubbles back out in some nasty ways as we see all too clearly mm -hmm. out in the world, you know? And what I've been discovering and practicing is that the more... I turn toward myself, just like you were describing in our romantic relationships, creating those spaces that are both challenging and unconditionally accepting and loving, the more all of that releases, you know, the more I can actually work with Wampus, or I can say to him, like, if there's a kernel of something you need me to know, I'm listening, but I'm, I can't let you make the decisions, man. Like, you're not good at that, you know? <laughs> I mean this in the kindest way. You suck at making decisions. Exactly. <laughs> I love you, but <laughs> like aces in their places and you're eight, you know, you don't belong in the decision making role. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I just I wonder how much of the an issue is, too, is 
people kind of bringing it back to self-awareness, people aren't even aware of these different voices. Yeah. Like, people are very not aware of how strange it is to have different voices in your head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. It, it is a bizarre thing um, when you yeah. were holding a conversation in your head, like there's talking, like, who am I talking to? Right. Right. You know? When my, when my clients switch to we language, I'm like, Oh, we're getting somewhere. And they're yeah, like, Oh, that's this awesome. is weird. <laughs> we... <laughs> I'm like, but you know, as this, this new thing, I mean, it's not new, new, but you know, more and more people using they, them pronouns. Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of love that because it, it resonates. I don't, I don't feel a need to use them, but, um, but it kind of resonates me in that way of like inviting that sort of complexity within us to be part of our, our self-identification. Like, yeah, like I definitely refer to myself as a we quite often. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's very interesting. I heard um, a quote that drove me mad for a while. The perceived cannot perceive. Mm. And it, it was, you know, like an Eastern, another Eastern quote I'm pulling out here. And it, it always made me wonder. So when you think about like who I am and every time you try to think about that, you create this other thing yeah. that isn't really you to try to observe the real you, but you can't ever actually observe the real you. So all you're really observing is your conscious ego. You know, it's just very strange how we can kind of go forward and not notice all these things. And I think noticing them is the first step, obviously. But it's such an important piece. Majority of people don't notice that yeah. they're even doing what they're doing. And I think that's something I like to try to bring more awareness around anyway, because that's, I think, the first step for recovery, the first step for anything and anybody to improve themselves and have a better life. I couldn't agree more. I, I really don't. We can do a lot of really cool stuff with that introspection. You know, we can have nice careers. We can have nice families. We can make some change in the world. But I think if we really want to get to like, that bigger and badder, you know, if we really want to maximize our, maximize our potential, I got weird for a second. Um, <laughs> a masterclass. <laughs> but I do think it has to start with, with introspection. I, I just think we leech so much energy that we're, you know, to your point that we're unaware of, if we're not starting with introspection and sorting some of that out, there's a, there's a cool Hindu story about it that I'm going to totally butcher, but here's the idea of the story is that, uh, all the gods were hanging out, you know, in the long, long ago and humans, um, had been created, but they were much more godlike and it was sort of pissing the gods off. They were like, ah, oh, it's too much competition. You know, we sort of liked, you know, <laughs> being better than them. And uh, and so they they were brainstorming, okay, if we take this most profound wisdom that separates the humans from the gods and we hide it somewhere, you know, we still have to give them access to it. But like, if we hid it somewhere, hmm. so it's hard for them to get to, like, where could we hide it that they would never find it? And one god is like, oh, we could put it like on the top of the highest mountain. I'm like, nah, like they'll totally find it there. And like another god's like, oh, no, no, we can put it at the bottom of the ocean. And I'm like, I'm like no, it's like never going to work. And they're like sitting there, you know, scratching their chins or whatever. Like, where are we going to put this thing? And one of the gods goes, oh, I totally have it. They are never going to find it if we put it inside of them. And they're all like, you know, evil finger pyramids. <laughs> apples. Yes. Hi, <laughs> George, you've got it. <laughs> By gosh. <laughs> and that's so us, right? It is. Yeah. It's funny. And you know, I remember just watching my kids grow up and seeing them even like point to things and you start just, just seeing how their mind shapes and their psyche shapes and how we kind of learn all these things just to have to unlearn them too. And mm -hmm. that's, you know, that's kind of like the process. Well, it just, yeah, it's so hidden. It's so strange. Our minds how we can be doing things and swear we're doing them for this reason or that, or, yeah. and just, we're totally perplexed. Like we don't even know ourselves. 
That, you know, it's just, <laughs> that's the funniest thing. Like, it's like everybody, it's always been my theory. I remember like, all right, how do I help the world the best? What mm-hmm. can I do? Oh, that's it. Work on me. Yeah. That's it. And I was like, what if everybody did that? I just feel like it, it just always come back to that. Work on you. What can you change? What can you fix? You're hitting on something that I I don't have good language for yet. Neither do um, I. As you can hear, I'm stumbling no, over my words, but no, trying to put really them into good. something. <laughs> <laughs> no, but there, there is something, and it sounds like you and I have the same instinct, and I'm sure we're not alone. But this, this, this instinct that there is a place where acting on our own behalf becomes acting on the behalf of others mm-hmm. that are, are interweaving as not just humans, but the whole ecosystem of earth and beyond, because you can't really separate it. It's all the same thing. It's all pointing in the same direction, but we're all, you know, off looking in different directions and, and sort of theorizing, you know, we've been swallowing different stories about what a great life means. Gosh, it makes me think about business because I'm a business person. I think about business all the time, right? And sort of this dynamic that we have of are we are we serving our um, shareholders' needs for this quarter? Are we asking how we actually make this a great business? And I think mm-hmm. as humans, we're doing that all the time, right? Do I sort of satisfy and calm myself for this minute, or do I challenge myself so that it's there's a longer term good? Right. So <laughs> um, another one of the tools that I've used a lot, you asked earlier about about tools. One of them has been re- learning to recognize within myself a certain type of fear and resistance and so bringing together that resistance conversation and the tools conversation and recognizing that feeling as like, a, my God, damn it. That's the thing I need to go do because mm. everything in me says, no, don't go do this yep. thing. <laughs> like everything in me is like, stop. And it's like, okay, that's the direction I have to go in. And it's totally worth it. Cause I'm going to build that muscle and I'm going to learn more about myself and that short-term discomfort is going to be totally worth the long-term. And I think that that's, you know, bringing in the introspection piece now, right. When we learn ourselves, then we get to learn the difference between the feeling of the resistance that says you're heading in a good direction and it's scary. Keep going. And the resistance that says, Whoa, buddy, you're about to jump off a cliff. This is not okay. <laughs> <laughs> but until we really pay attention to ourselves, it's hard to know the difference. And then we jump off a cliff thinking we're challenging ourselves. And then we get scared of the challenge forevermore. Mm. That's one of the reasons we're scared and, of the challenge. Yeah, hold, hold, hold us back. <laughs> yeah, that's it's well, it's interesting, too, because I have found I love that you bring that up because it is like finding the difference between I'm scared because of past experiences or failure as opposed to I'm scared because I could literally die. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and finding that difference, it can be very tough, but how can we ever do that if we don't start paying attention to ourselves? Absolutely. Absolutely. I love a worst case scenario game for that exact reason, because almost never is the worst case scenario. Like I'll die or I'll be homeless and totally without resources. Like, you know, almost never. No, it isn't. Sarah, what is your, uh, what's your take on, uh, or SB, what is your take on, uh, psychedelics? I'm, I, that's so funny that you bring that up. Maybe I was thinking about it. Cause I knew I was going to talk to you. <laughs> I was just thinking about that this morning. And I was thinking about the way that so many tools can be used in really positive ways and really negative ways. And that we sometimes mix that up. Yeah. You know I mean, we, I mean? we sometimes, uh, forget things are tools and try to give them labels as opposed to what they could, you know, really do, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm totally fascinated by the research that's happening with psychedelics and the way that they're being using used for like trauma care and recovery and those kinds of things. And I see so many people use them as an attempted shortcut for enlightenment. 
Mm. Like, I'm just going to go out into the dinner, the desert and taste my Alaska and it's going to be all better. And I'm going to know who I am. And I'm like, whoa, like not how it works, but yes. yeah, (laughs) (laughs) have fun with that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think, you know, you mentioned new age spirituality earlier and it, and it always cracks me up because when we look at these kinds, con- when I like these concepts, you know, almost inevitably I see a really important deep concept that's been smushed down into a bumper sticker and mm-hmm. therefore has lost all its meaning. And I feel like psychedelics fall into the same category often that there's this great depth um, and possibility, but then it's like, well, let me just make it the most simplest accessible version that I can, I can invest the least of myself energetically mm. and in all the ways of investment and, you know, shortcut my way to feeling better. What's your thought on them? Oh, I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of them. I mean, they've, I, first time I took one, took some mushrooms was when I was 26. And I mean, that was the beginning of my journey. It really, I mean, I immediately within an hour after taking them, I realized I'm a shitty listener. I need to get better at listening. I just realized the the psyche, there's a whole land to explore of consciousness and I'm excited to do so. It's interesting because even like in the darker depths of my heroin use, I did not use, I didn't touch psychedelics. Interesting. Oh, well, I don't know how people use them to escape. And, you know, that was kind of always my thing when I see people take them at concerts and, you know, all stuff like that. Like, how do you do that? Yeah. You know, I just never understood it, but I just, yeah, I mean, I've learned so much. I learned how to weep again. I learned that I needed to start crying again because of taking mushrooms. And I mean, so much that I have learned from doing so, but it's funny being in recovery from heroin addiction and then talking about psychedelics. So I've been quiet about it for some time and I'm just, I mean, I'm done being, being more authentic, you know, being more me. And, but it's, yeah, I, I feel like they are, um, they're, they're incredible tools. If used correctly, they're incredible tools. Um, I'm not suggesting that we put LSD in the water system so everybody trips, <laughs> but I'm suggesting in the right set and setting with the right person, you know, um, they can be life transforming. That's the deal. Safe spaces. Always. I mean, again and again, when we're talking about these deep dives into ourselves, whatever our mechanism for getting there, there's got to be a safe space because it's yes. too dicey in there. <laughs> it's very dicey, especially when you're taking psychedelics. So. <laughs> Yeah, there's, I mean, I've seen, I mean, obviously not everybody should be taking them, but I'm glad to see that we're getting some like research is starting to happen because I mean, I personally feel like they would, could change so many people's awareness of what really matters and what can really make a difference in their lives. You know, it's so interesting. I feel like that we're circling around a topic here of taboo. I feel like in a lot of ways, you and I have touched already in this conversation on areas that are taboo. And if we can just get past the freaking taboo, Mm. we can get to really meaningful, important places, right? If we can get past the taboo of psychedelics and go, okay, what are these really for? And how do they actually work? And what does it mean to utilize them in a thoughtful way? Right. If we can get past the taboo of interdependence, you know, if we can get past the taboos of woo-woo weirdo spirituality and the crazy richness of our inner worlds and how messy, how messy they are. And, and all of these things that can be so scary to talk about. You know, I find that the the one of the main things that keeps people from coaching is that belief that they're not supposed to need anybody else mm. and that they're admitting to some sort of flaw if they accept support. Same thing for like therapists and counselors. Yeah. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And honestly, most people don't know the difference between coaching and therapy. When I, when I first meet somebody I often say like, would it be helpful for me to describe the difference between these two? And they're always like, oh, this isn't therapy. I'm like, this is definitely not therapy. <laughs> yeah. A little, a little different. It is. It is. There, it's like a Venn diagram. There's certainly some overlap, but the difference is really important. <laughs> it's really meaningful, but yeah, that's interesting to me. And, you know, I recognize I recognize taboo as a function of passing along social norms for the sake of safety, but they balloon, right? They balloon in some really dangerous ways, right? We have, we have taboos around different kinds of sexuality, right? Because we're keeping kids safe and we're keeping um, genetic lines separated and things like that. But like that really quickly turns into, to, you know, social norms and judgment and things like that about things that are like, how's that anybody's business? (laughs) Yeah. I feel like that's a a huge piece of it is, kind of going back to what you're saying that we feel like we're admitting weakness and you know I was doing this um little side project for a company in Rochester New York and they were kind of having me do podcasts and interviews and stuff with other companies and this one company is really just they're so formed on like this is all community run there's no like leader there's no nothing here in this group it's all community run but the people who were running the group were very sticklers about me using the word help or services oh, yeah. and which I get. Okay, that's great. But I mean, my, my theory on it too, but every single one of us needs help. We can't make it without help of other human beings. Yeah. We wouldn't, we wouldn't make it without the help of others. Every single one of us needs help. So why are we ignoring this word as if it's a naughty word? Right. As if it means you are weak or not. And I think that, that was a huge piece of my point. It took me about an hour to find out where <laughs> I was going with it, but that was it. <laughs> I, re- I recovered from it. <laughs> Well done. Well done. And, and totally, that's totally a thing. And what I have discovered um, over the years, and I wonder if you've noticed this true too, is that the people who are most driven to offer help or support or whatever sidestep of a word you want to use are also the people who are least likely mm. to accept it. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's super. That, that was me for sure. And, you know, I remember somebody said to me, cause I used to like, I remember taking a compliment from somebody so difficult. Mm-hmm. And the person said to me, what if that person was the reason they're giving you a compliment wasn't for you, it was for them. Exactly. And I was like, boom. Yeah. And I yeah. really, from that day forth, I remember I just kind of clicked like, I'm going to get better at saying thank you. Yeah. And not following it up with, yeah, but I need to get better at this or, you know, it's just like, <laughs> no, thank you. I'm grateful. That's encouraging. I really yeah. means a lot to me. I got, I got the coolest lesson on that from a kid who I'm assuming was like five or six years ago. And I'm telling you kids, man, out of the mouths of babes. Right. Um, so a few years ago, I walked into a shop and, um, this little kid with these cute little buns on top of her head, she's like, I like your hair. And I was like, I like your hair. And she gave me sort of a glaring look. And she was like, I like your hair. And I was like, thank you. And she was like, you're welcome. And ran off. (laughs) I was like, Oh, Okay. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) I was meant to receive the compliment and move on with my day. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. That's how it should be. And I love that. And even I still all the time, I have to hold myself back from following it up with, yeah, I need to get better at this though. It's like, just (laughs) shut up and take the compliment, you idiot. (laughs) You know, here in, here in the wake of Easter, I'm I'm Jewish leaning Buddhist. So um, Easter isn't <laughs> super important to me. Buddhist, I love it. Yeah. And we're <laughs> talking about Easter. Yeah, uh, totally. Always worth it. Um, <laughs> there's, there's a word for it, by the way, it's Jubu, which sounds Jubu. like a slur, but it's not. It's it's totally what, what Jewish Buddhists call themselves, Jubus. Um, yeah, sounds like but, a candy. So, 
I, I know, it sounds delicious. Um, <laughs> um, I was thinking about, I was thinking about all of the stuff about interdependence and how critically important we are to each other. And I'll tell you, the word God stopped being meaningful to me a long time ago. Mm -hmm. I was raised in a really devout Jewish family. I'm super invested in the culture of Judaism and my heritage as a Jewish person and my, my family line. All that stuff is really meaningful to me. But the way I was taught the religion was like an immediate turnoff. Like even as a little kid, before I could understand why I was so turned off, I was like, this God person they're describing to me is not. What a douche. Anything to me. Exactly. <laughs> He's a jerk, right? Like, yeah. If I write your name on a chalkboard and then erase it, you're going to like open the earth and swallow me, which is like <laughs> terrifying to hear Bible when you're story. a kid. Yeah, it's terrifying, but it didn't even scare me. Honestly, it was well, it did. It did. It did scare me for a while. And then at some point I'm like, uh, no, like even as a little kid, I was just like, no. But what is meaningful to me what I had to kind of discover over the years was instead referring to what I think a lot of people when they mean God, I'm not sure because everybody has their own definition, right? But referring to it instead as the great big oneness is mm. just to me, literally true, right? It brings in mm -hmm. physics and the atomic structure of the universe, right? It brings in that place where we can look at, you know, I'm going to hold up my cup of tea and look at the liquid inside and the handmade mug on the outside and my hand holding it and know that we're all made of the same like atomic structure, right? We were all like, debris from a supernova star however mm -hmm. however many light years away and that's mind-boggling to me it is and it's literally true so far as we know right so mm -hmm. far as our understanding of the universe as it is today and in that way we are all quite literally interconnected not just with each other but with all of it you know when I think about that I feel overwhelmed in the best possible way like that is yeah. just bonkers right and it also reminds me that like I can't any divisions that I put up are just totally made up. You know, they're, they're completely a function of imagination. And I get to choose every day and throughout the day whether I'm going to live into my imagined boundaries or if I'm mm -hmm. going to set them aside and be like, okay, there's this, this epic amount of possibility because that's the other thing about the great big oneness, right? That means that we are inextricably, if I can say that word, inextricably <laughs> connected with all possibility all the good stuff and all the shitty stuff, you know? And I can I can acknowledge that and lean toward it with some excitement and curiosity, or I can deny it in a way that helps me feel a little little safe and sequestered and, and that kind of thing. And I don't know about you, but I spent enough of my life feeling safe and sequestered. Yeah. I don't I don't want to go back there. Yeah, yeah, way too much of that. I have found, I don't know about you, but I've found like that strange I don't know. I don't know if peacefulness, beauty, maybe is the word. I don't know what the word is for it, but just mm -hmm. this okayness with the shittiness. Yeah, totally. Like totally. The, yeah. I mean, it's one just of been, my mantras. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. What's your mantra? I was just gonna say one of my mantras is is I is I open myself or I accept or I invite this heartbreak mm. because I recognize nice. that the more I allow myself. You were talking about weeping earlier, and I just think that's so so gorgeous and so important. And it's in recognition of the same thing that the more I allow my heart to break, the more the more room there is in there for the joy. And that I do really, I, I very viscerally and consciously recognize how those two things swell in me at the same time. I'll be doing something goofy like watching a movie that's a tearjerker or whatever. And I'll, I'll feel the tears coming up. Right. And I'll feel my instinctive resistance. And mm -hmm. I'll be like, Whoa, Whoa, I open myself to this heartbreak. <laughs> like I can do this. I can do this. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
and like really practice letting it flow so that I can, I can have more of that joy because it's all here. You know, I wonder what you think of this, Sean. What I've noticed, what I feel like I've noticed is that while pain and even suffering are inevitable, that I've chosen throughout my life, whether or not unconsciously, unconsciously have chosen whether or not I'm experiencing joy and pleasure. Mm. Has that been a thing for you? Yeah. Well, I mean, I there's many years of my life where I would start feeling joy and pleasure. I remember right after my divorce, I went to this awesome concert. It was a few, probably a few months after my divorce and I had a blast and I was driving back by myself and I just started bawling my eyes out for mm-hmm. having fun. Yeah. I shouldn't have any fun. I don't yeah. deserve any happiness yeah. for doing what I did to my kids or whatever, you know? And, yeah. you know, I just remember that. Yeah. I mean, so much of my life was spent. I think the majority of people live in a life of, I don't deserve this. Yeah. We get back to the taboo thing, mm-hmm. right? I've done this thing and therefore I deserve to be punished. I've worked with a number of people where, where the conversation gets to how much punishment is going to be enough. Mm. When are you going to feel like you have, yeah. you have flogged yourself enough that you can move on because we're not going to change the past. That thing happened. Like, and often it's, you made a really bad decision, right? The, I'm thinking of the people that I've coached where, I've, you know, I've looked into the camera and I've been like, hey, you made a really bad decision. <laughs> okay. Like that happened. Like we all make bad decisions. Some of them are worse than others, right? Some of them have more co- more severe consequences than other. Okay. It happened. But like at some point you got to put the flog down because you're wasting energy when you could be rebuilding. Yeah. When you could be learning. You yeah. know, that, that was a big thing for me. Like I'm so busy sitting here, poor me the universe owes me something that I'm not even growing. I'm yeah. not opening my eyes to the things I could have learned from my siblings dying, from my divorce, from my addiction, yeah. from all these other things. Like I stole money from teenagers, like yeah. 13 year olds to fulfill an addiction. Sometimes I even don't even know how I was able to live with myself after that. And being able to forgive myself was, I don't even know if I could explain how I've been able to do it, but I mean, it's just a, a journey. I think we all have to learn to take. Ideally, right? We all mm-hmm. have the opportunity to, and I, I wish like hell that more people took that opportunity yeah. because it isn't, you know, it, it is such a, it, to me, it's such a tragic use of energy to, to spend these fleeting lives, you know, not forgiving. I, I heard one definition of forgiveness that was something along the lines of no longer wishing the past was different, but rather just accepting that like, mm-hmm. okay, like that stuff happened and maybe it's stuff that I did and maybe it's stuff that happened to me. Yeah. And stop maybe acting I, like... Stop acting like we have the ability, even if we could go back in time, like you, you would still make the same choice. There's nothing that says otherwise yeah. that you would make a different choice. Yeah. I mean, it's always hindsight, right? Hindsight's twenty twenty. Like you're always like, oh, I would have made a different choice now. Right. But, well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> now that I have all this extra yes. information. <laughs> you know, that, that was one of the most important things that I heard during a really um, particularly depressed and traumatic time of my life was that we make the best decisions that we can with the information that we have at the time. And it, I was like 18 or 19 when I heard that the first time. And I was, I was in the thick of a really nasty depression. I was in the thick of post-traumatic stress. I had been attacked and almost killed and by somebody I loved and who loved me. It was just a really nasty, unfortunate situation built on human pain. You know, it was built on really bad decisions made because as I was able to understand it, as once I, you know, heard that saying that I was making the best decisions I could with the limited information I had as a teenager. And he was making the best decisions he could based on a really artificially limited array of options because he was in a whole lot of pain. You know, and once I could, 
once I could really grok that, once I could be like, okay, like he made a terrible decision. And based on my understanding of what he saw as his options, which were basically like suffer horribly or get rid of the most immediate source of his suffering, i.e. me, like it made sense, right? Who wouldn't try and get rid of the source of the suffering? That's what mm-hmm. we do, right? That's what our whole, our whole internal drive is to do. So it made perfect sense. Did it make me feel really awesome that it happened? No, but it, it got me on the path to, to healing, right? To forgiving him and to forgiving myself and to, and to healing and to begin seeing that as, you know, to, you know, to echo you, to begin seeing that whole experience as just a really extraordinary opportunity to learn, you know, and now it's been, it'll be 25 years this year since that happened. And I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't wish it on anybody, <laughs> right? <laughs> For either either side of it, his side of it or mine, right? I wouldn't yeah. wish that on anybody. Um, and yet, it's been so instrumental in in learning so much about forgiveness and compassion and even rage. You know, this the depth of human complexity, right? How trauma lives in us. Like I've learned so much from it. And oh my God, Shauna, like, I love my life. I love my life right now. And you know, you you tweak any of those steps along the way. And maybe I'd love the life that I had then as much, but it wouldn't be this life, you know? (laughs) I think I turned into an old Jewish man there for a second. Like, yeah, it wouldn't be this life. Beth locks. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's so true. It's so true though. And I, yeah, I love you. I mean, I think there's very few humans who have that outlook. So kudos to you. And I feel like that's kind of part of your goal. And that's part of my goal is to kind of help people just embrace the shittiness. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And we, I mean, we kind of just try to, we look for perfection. We try to continue to make our lives perfect and everything around us perfect. And all it does is deconstruct it more. Yeah. I mean, more and more and you're just breaking it apart and making it more difficult. And it's weird. You know, we know being vulnerable, honest, authentic, brings true connection but yeah we don't ever want to do it it's so freaking so uncomfortable it's so yeah yeah, weird and foreign and it's uh something to we all have to learn to embrace more i agree all right sb what uh what are your final thoughts we are going to absolutely do this again soon awesome this is so fun yeah we're gonna (laughs) i I feel like you're gonna be a regular guest because i had no idea like literally an hour has passed already it has flown by. Yeah. I don't know how much success we had in keeping our conversation tight, but I think there was some thematic, you know, Yeah, no, I think that... we stayed on various kind of the same topic. <laughs> Honestly, it was all really self-awareness, I'll just call it. And self-awareness with SB will be the title of this episode and we'll be good. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> you know, the, the word that keeps coming up for me, not just right now, though, it certainly has come up for me a lot in the last hour, but just a lot generally in the last year or so is delight. And what it means to really like viscerally, not only experience, but acknowledge the experience of delight. I think it probably all started um, when my fiance and I read um, the book of delights by Ross Gay, which is Mm -hmm. gorgeous. And if you haven't read it, oh my gosh. Yeah, I have not. I'll have to put it down. It's so wonderful. And it's essayette. So it's really like these teeny tiny little essays. So it's very easy to read in bite-sized pieces. So I had a friend back in the day who, when something was delighting her, she would say, how can this get any better? 
And it was supposed to be both like acknowledging that feeling and also sort of saying to the universe, like, hey, if you want to show me how this can get better, like I'm totally <laughs> open to it, right? It's the antithesis of, of like, I'm allowing my heart to break. It's like, I'm allowing more, more joy and delight mm-hmm. in. So yeah, so that's what comes up for me as we start to wrap today, just like encouraging myself and you and whoever happens to listen to this to really pay attention, not blow by it. It's so easy to just blow by it. You know, we're recording this on April 5th and stuff is blooming and it's gorgeous. It's such a profound time of year to really notice and appreciate Mm -hmm. the way life goes in cycles and the rejuvenation that happens and how much there is to delight in. And it's a muscle like any other, you know, the more we, the more we exercise it, the stronger it gets. Yeah. That's a, that's a very good point. The more you use it, the better it works. Yeah. yeah. Or it can be in Buffalo and your white magnolia tree can bloom early and then it gets cold and then all the flowers are brown. <laughs> Which makes it worth enjoying it for that oh, brief bloom, right? <laughs> so annoying. I was like, this thing is going to, bl-. I knew it. I looked at the weather and I knew my magnolia tree was going to be brown. I was so pissed. It was like 70 one day and I knew we had 30 degree weather coming. Uh, I was like, damn it. So it happens when you... Yeah, when you put things in the northeast when they shouldn't be growing there. That that is, that is but you know, hope springs eternal. Right? That's You're right. Like, I can do it. <laughs> well, SP, thank you for your time. This was awesome, uh-huh. and I'm gonna stay in touch with you, and you. we're gonna plan another one soon because I just love talking with you, even if we don't even put it out as a podcast. Let's keep chatting. Absolutely. Thank you for this time. It's been such a fun start to my my day and I appreciate you and all that you're putting out into the world. It's important stuff. Thank you. Well, I got to actually get better at... Um, no, I'm just joking. Uh, uh, right. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. <laughs> I'm just joking. Thank you very much. I'll uh, I'll let you know when... Um, well, for, how do people get in touch with you? I'm going to put all the links below, but if, they, if somebody wants to reach out with you, use you as a coach, I forgot all about that stuff. Oh, right. I did too. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, my site is roscoaching.com. It's Roz like raw meat. It's a really weird name because it's made up. So it's R-A-W-Z coaching.com. And I'm on LinkedIn, but I'm a social media monogamous. So that's the only place you can find me online. <laughs> <laughs> LinkedIn is, uh, I honestly, I have unintentionally, which I need to be posting more on Instagram and stuff, but I have just avoided Facebook and Instagram like the plague yeah. as of late. I just can't yeah. do it. I, I would feel my anxiety level increase. And I thought life again, life is too short. I'm not, yeah. this is not the fun kind of resistance. I just need to go. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I just wonder it. Cause it's such a necessary thing sometimes to get in contact with people. And, but yeah. I, you know, I shouldn't say that cause LinkedIn, I've gotten so many podcast guests. I mean, you're obviously one of them, one of yeah. many, many over the last since COVID of people I've gotten on from just chatting with on LinkedIn. So yeah, LinkedIn's kind of rad. <laughs> oh yeah. Maybe I'll see you uh, Wednesday too. Are you going to uh, uh slashes to laughter yoga? Yeah. I was just debating it this morning. I'm really excited about it. I love what slash does and I love his whole energy. Yeah. So you'll just, be there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I have to, I, cause I've been telling him I'm going to get to one for too long. So I, I owe him <laughs> that. I owe him that. But awesome. awesome. Well, maybe right. I'll see you there. You will. And either way, I will be in touch with you and let you know when I'm getting this out and we'll plan another one. Oh, fantastic. Hey, I hope you have a great week ahead. You do the same. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Bye. Bye.